2: welcome to gen c gen c is generation crypto these are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money how they look at identity how they look at privacy and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with we focus on how web 2 and web 3 brands are building for these audiences I'm Sam Yuan from Coindesk, and our co-host is Avery Akinini from Vayner3. Avery, where are you and how are you?
1: Hey there, Sam. I am doing great. It has been a fast and furious end to the 2022 year, and I'm in Hyderabad, India, actually. Just wrapping up a couple things before we put a bow on 2022. How about you?
2: Amazing. I am in Flatiron, getting ready for this crypto winter apocalypse that's supposed to hit weather-wise here in New York City, which I'm not prepared for, but also very much looking forward to a little bit of downtime as we wrap up the year. I thought it would be great for us to do a little bit of a kind of an open conversation around kind of where we're going for this year. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is we are seeing that sales in the NFT side are pretty down. There was an article that I read that I shared with you that said that Christie's NFT sales fell 96% in 2022. Now granted, 2021 was skewed by a single $69 million Beeple auction. That really set the tone for last year. But what do you think brands should take away from the fact that both the audience size and the sort of transactional volume is so down right now in the NFT side, at least from a financial perspective? What's your take on that?
1: There's no doubt that NFT sales are down really sharply year over year, especially when you're looking at something that was a real anomaly year, which I think we saw in parts of the fine art market. What I think is probably the more interesting part of that is the fact that Christie's is continuing to develop their presence in the world of NFTs and Web3, adding a number of different sort of Web3 and NFT oriented collections, like what they did with Diana Sinclair, continuing to support the Web3 community at activations like Art Basel. That means to me that they really believe in this over a longer term horizon, understanding that the $69 million NFT sales are, you know, maybe a once in a lifetime type of thing. What do you think about that, Sam?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think the idea is about commitment and consistency and the opportunity for a brand like Christie's, for really anyone playing in the space to understand that there's going to be ups and downs, but still building forward is the key. I'm with you. I think that seeing where it will go, but not running scared, like we do see some people doing, is the right strategy here.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, Christie's, this will play out for them well in the long term. Digital assets continue to become more and more popular from a total user number perspective. And while some of those anomaly pricing of the last year or so might be less and less frequent, I think that the macro opportunity is there and it's amazing that Christy sees it.
2: For sure. So next up, I want to get your opinion because everyone seems to be talking about AI, chat GPT right now. What are your just like top level thoughts on how AI is going to affect Web3 and the metaverse in the future?
1: So AI has continued to amaze me from both like a user perspective and a business perspective over the last, I'd say like six to eight months. Around the summer, I became familiar with Dolly 2 and MidJourney. And, you know, I run an agency and a consultancy where we do a lot of mock-ups, use a lot of stock images to help, you know, bring ideas to life just conceptually. And I was like, wow, the first thing I thought was like, this is going to be such a time saver for us in terms of doing mockups, like we need to run towards this and understand how to harness the power of this technology. Because just like anything, you know, you can be good at leveraging AI art, or you cannot be good. You know, you can give me a basketball, it doesn't make me Michael Jordan, right? The person needs to sort of control the inputs in order to drive successful output. So I started to get my team using sort of these art oriented ways to be more efficient with our creative and conceptual process, things like storyboarding, You know, mock-ups became a lot faster and easier, and I think we've gotten really good at it. And then when ChatGPT came out a couple weeks ago and really hit in terms of normal users and normal people being like, wow, this is cool, it to me is a really nice compliment. It's a further demonstration of what AI can do for creativity and productivity. Of course, I don't think that this can replace the day-to-day strategic thinking and writing skills of people, but yeah, it's really, really impressive. And a thing that we're kind of grappling with and debating internally right now at Vayner is how this fits into our definition of Web3. Is it an adjacent technology or is it part of the next iteration of the internet? So I'm curious what you think about that, Sam.
2: I mean, I'm both like extremely excited and super freaked out at the same time. It's this moment that we're seeing where it's like we can see the Terminator being built in front of us and knowing that in 20 years it's going to come back and try and kill us, but we're not doing anything about it. In fact, we're encouraging it at a really fast rate. But I think where AI is going to show up in Web3 the most is going to be in the metaverse. And the reason I think that is I had yesterday a 30-minute conversation with ChatGPT where I said, we are two pilots flying a long-haul flight, and we need to find conversation to keep us busy during the flight. And I had a 30-minute back and forth on ChatGPT talking about our favorite places to travel, which cities were the most fashionable that we had visited, whether we like cities or off the beaten path, small locations. And we like literally just typed back and forth with the kind of scenario I'd written to this. And it just hit me so deeply that all of the non-playing characters in these metaverses that we're going to be interacting with will be powered not by kind of scripted responses, but are going to be kind of off on their own and having kind of faux sentience in how they're going to be interacting with the playable characters in the metaverse. And that just like blew my mind to think about we're like entering this age where you can create a scenario and kind of let the computer go and how that's going to show up, not just in things like chatbots and customer service, but how it's going to sort of show up in the world around us where there are going to be a lot of times where we're not going to know if we're talking to AI or we're talking to a real person. I don't know, it's just really frightening and exciting at the same time.
1: Yeah, like that Joaquin Phoenix movie, Her. So basically you have a new best friend who's AI is what I heard there, Sam.
2: I'm gonna, you know, out myself. I had a conversation this morning with a guy who's in the space and we left having coffee. You know, we're talking about some potential AI stuff to do together. And he says to me, oh, how old is your father? And I said, my father's 76 years old. And he said, I'm gonna send you a hundred questions and you should have a live interview with him. Because when you do that and you send me the recording, I can create your father both in voice and in tone, sort of a bot that can replicate him. So after he's not here, you can still have conversations. Again, I was like, this is amazing. And also then I had to think, do I want a robot father in the future? But it reminded me of that Black Mirror episode where the woman loses her husband and orders the husband doll. So I don't know if we're ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but it feels like it's coming.
1: Yeah, it's a good analogy. Like we see this coming and we see the power of this for good and then for not so good. And I think a lot of times like technology is, you know, the outputs of that are a mirror to society, right? The good parts of society, the challenging parts of society. And I think that it'll bring up some very real like ethics questions in the coming like months and years as this starts to be adopted more widely. Because right now it's still so new, new, new and emerging. The use cases aren't exactly crystal clear yet.
2: 100%. And I guess as we're talking about AI, that just brings us to our kind of final point before we get to our guest. 2023 is upon us. We're 10 days away from New Year's as we're recording this. And so I just wanted to know, you know, Avery, what are your sort of top 3 predictions of what 2023 is going to bring us?
1: So I think 2023 will bring a lot of activity in the web3 space, some of it being successful, some not. I think we're going to see first a lot of tech giants taking real swings and bringing new audiences to what I would call more of like a web 2.5. We've heard major announcements from Salesforce and Shopify. And you know we've heard things from Twitter and Instagram. I think we'll continue to see fang companies making a real play here. That's prediction one. The second prediction that I think we can expect is crypto payments being more than just like a marketing stunt. You know, I'm in India right now, and the total number of users of crypto in emerging markets is staggering. I was reading Coinbase's 2023 outlook, and they called this out as well. So I think we'll start to see like real use cases, perhaps remittances, you know, be used bigger and bigger. And the third prediction, which ties in into what we're about to cover with funds, is this idea of using your NFTs for simple utility in an easy way, whether that's in real life, at point of sale, or digitally. I think we'll see a lot more ease of use of your NFT collection in 2023.
2: I love that. I agree with everything you just said. I'm also, I mean, you worked at Google, right? So you mentioned Fang. You know, it feels like Google's been sort of like quiet. They're doing stuff around cloud and Web3. There's like some stuff happening. But do you think this is the year we start to see, you know, Google and Apple step big into sort of Web3 space?
1: You know, I think it would surprise me if we didn't really hear anything from the silent Fang players. We know that they're building. We know that they've been doing like some infrastructure considerations, some legal considerations. We've heard little, you know, whispers of that, whether on the Google side, Google Cloud has a deal with Coinbase. On the Apple side, we know they've been taking a lot of measures around, you know, how they're going to approach NFT sales through the iOS platform. On the Amazon side, we know, they've announced a documentary that's playing right now. I think we're going to see these companies. I don't think they're going to give up their Web2 users so easy.
2: For sure. For me, my first prediction is that, and we've already started to see this, but the idea of the wallet, I think, is going to transform for people. I think, you know, we've spent the last two years focusing on things like MetaMask and Coinbase Wallet, but with Starbucks, with Nike, with Reddit, with Meta, we're starting to see sort of wallets built in or tied to Web2, you know, sort of downloadable apps. And I think this is going to be a trend that we're going to see a lot of because it allows us to help control what is being put in our wallet and leaving, which I think is more comfortable for brands. So even though I think it sort of takes us away from some of the decentralization that we all like in the crypto space, I think it becomes an easier onboarding experience for the consumer to feel their trust is already earned with some of their apps. And therefore, kind of wallets integrated in a kind of little bit more like fade to the background way is an area that I think we'll see a lot more of, which sort of, Brings me to my second prediction, which is that, and I'm kind of hoping for this, that we start to see Web3 fading as a term in the same way that people won't be talking about NFTs and they won't be talking about blockchains as much as things just sort of are integrated into our daily lives. I think, you know, we only started to talk about Web2 when we started talking about Web3, right? So I think there's this opportunity for the kind of newness of Web3, which I think people are excited about, to just start to become a little bit more common behavior. I still think we're super early, so I don't think it's going to be pervasive in that way. But I think we're just going to see more use cases where people are sort of not playing into the jargon of it and see just the technology sort of shine a little bit more. And then my final prediction, and I want to get your take on this because I think you might be closer to some of this. I think that 2023 is going to see the moment when a major brand buys an NFT collection for IP, for the storytelling opportunities, and for the community opportunities. And you know whether that is in music, whether that is in cinema, whether that's in cartoons, Like there's still enough heat and enough interesting IP that have come out of these NFT communities that I think we'll see a major brand ape in. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I would love to see a major entertainment brand buy one of these, you know, OG Web3 communities. And, you know, I have no secret intel here, but I think like a Fox, like what they're doing with Blockchain Creative Labs, they just announced a big hire from FWB. I'd love to see an entertainment brand buy one of these NFT collections and really build out the storytelling potential and help them become the next Disney. I think that's a great prediction, Sam. That's a great hot take and something that would be surprising, but not shocking, particularly because we know so many of these entertainment brands are very interlinked into the leaders of Hollywood, many of whom are very interested in what's happening in the NFT ecosystem specifically.
2: Absolutely. After the break, we're going to talk to Fons. Fons is the CEO of TokenProof. Avery, we've talked about token proof so many times on the show that we had to have Fonz on. Fonz is an amazing advocate and builder and creator and sort of thinker about the space who has built, I think, one of the best sort of onboarding tools because again, it's easy, it's simple, it doesn't feel blockchain, it feels like an app we would use every day. And token proof really is that sort of permission layer on top of this permissionless economy that gives you access to IRL events, to merch, to Discord connection without exposing your assets to be scammed, which is something we still unfortunately deal with too much in this space. So right after the break, we're going to talk to Fons and have an amazing discussion, and we'll see you on the other side.
1: Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, where Web3 meets IRL, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer marketers, advertisers, brand leaders, creators, builders, founders, entrepreneurs, and more.
2: All right, so we are here with Fonz. Fons is the CEO of TokenProof, which... I will say, Avery and I seem to bring up every single episode of Gen C, so uh, it was only appropriate for us to have him on as a guest, because I think what Fonz is working on is this amazing bridge between Web3 and kind of the IRL world in a really native way, but also there's some amazing stuff that he's working on, as well as a kind of authentication and identity layer online that we're going to talk about. And just someone who really works harder than most on bringing kind of Web3 to the masses in a big way that's really easy to use and doesn't feel Web3. It just feels like a normal way that people should be engaging with this opportunity that we've been talking about for the last bunch of weeks. So with that, Fons, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, friends. Great to see you. Fons, I thought it would be interesting for us to hear kind of one, what you were doing before Web3. And then kind of what your origin story is, how you got here.
0: Yeah, so I've been in technology my whole life. I was born in 1986, so I'm 36 years old now. And my dad bought me a computer when I was like six years old or seven years old. And I saw Web 1.0 rise and I participated and I remember those days very clearly. And I never left. And I always say that half of me lives on the internet and i was born in mexico city and i lived there till i was 15 and then my family decided we were moving to texas and i've been based out of texas for the last 20 years and i just became obsessed with technology and when i got to texas and my friends were getting you know typical high school jobs at starbucks and blockbuster i decided to open up like a computer repair business going door to door and hanging up my phone number and people's doors and people started calling me. And, uh, you know, I did basic stuff. And then I stumbled upon a customer of mine that needed some database help on uh, logistics operation. He was starting in the oil and gas industry. And that led me to a 12-year career in the oil and gas industry where I developed technology for uh, the fracking industry. And so I'm sort of a refugee of oil and gas And I built a startup there called Railtronics. It was basically inventory control for a very specific material used in oil and gas. And then I had a successful exit in 2017 and I worked for the company, a public oil field services company that bought the startup. And that was a three-year stint in working for that company. And it was painful, but it was a great learning experience. And then the pandemic hit and that's when I was approached by a couple of ex Microsoft guys that I knew and they had the idea that as the covid vaccine rolled out it would be beneficial for the world to enable individuals to prove that they got the vaccine by use of QR codes and cryptography and uh, they proposed that I'd be CEO and founder of that venture and so that's what we did in the latter half of 2020 and most of 2021 and unfortunately that did not work out we were too small for the humongous challenge that that was. Just reactivating the world's economies through QR codes was just a monumental feat that we failed at. And so we decided to shut that down. And eventually I came into the NFT space because I took a break from work and I was just here to screw around. And out of curiosity, I had invested in crypto and just Bitcoin and Ethereum in 2017, but I didn't even know how to open a MetaMask summer of 2021. And so I took that break and started participating and I got addicted to JPEGs. And then eventually, I figured that we could pivot the vaccine credentialing technology to power IRL experiences for NFT holders. And that's what became TokenProof essentially a year ago.
1: That is amazing. And Fonz, seems like you've had a whole lifetime of being an entrepreneur, everything from computer repairs to trying to solve the world's economy to now TokenProof. So what exactly is token proof for listeners who might not have used it themselves yet? And, you know, how are brands using it? And what is the challenge that you all are really solving with token proof?
0: Yeah, so as with anything in this space, the concept of token proof has evolved over time. And what we want to become when we grow up has evolved over time. When we first announced to the world that we existed in February of last year, this year, actually, it feels like last year, but it was this year, February of this year, we said, we're going to enable individuals to prove ownership of their digital assets without having them to connect their wallet, right? So you can now prove ownership of your NFTs without connecting your wallet. And it was geared towards solving the problem of all the scams that we see in the space where people get their NFTs stolen, and especially like high value NFTs like a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape. And so that really put us on the map because it was something that was badly needed and people were really curious as to what the solution was that was half of it and the other half of it was proving that you own an nft in the real world by use of these verifiable credentials and qr codes in our mobile app and so we were super fortunate because we started building relationships in the space earlier this year as the space geared up for like the woodstock of nfts which was NFT NYC this year, coupled with ApeFest back in June. And so we powered a lot of the IRL experiences during that time. And I think most people know us from our ticketing product and the way that we can token gate real life activations and experiences. But what we want to do next year is work with traditional brands to really unlock the power and the utility of their tokens, both online and in the real world. And playing more into the loyalty and engagement angle, because I think there's a lot of brands that have sold a token or multiple NFTs and multiple collections, but they don't really know exactly what to do after they sell them and open up the Discord. And now they have a community going, all right, what's next? What's next? When are you going to give me the utility? And so we want to power a lot of that utility through the infrastructure that we have built.
2: Fons, I would love for you to go even a little bit deeper into the how it works. And I say that only because for anyone who's not used token proof, you can have multiple wallets, you can have your email address, you can kind of have a bunch of different indicators, and you're constantly looking to see what assets are in those, but you're not exposing them to, as you're mentioning, like all of the times we've heard about people connecting a wallet and having assets drained, you're really a protective layer. So maybe you can talk just a little bit more about the technology side, as well as the end use, both for the user, but also for the person throwing an event. We'd just love to get into the details there.
0: Yeah, so every time that somebody connects their wallet to a service, they are trusting that party, right? And they're going to sign some sort of transaction that has a certain effect on their tokens. And it could be as basic as just proving that they own those assets, right? And so what we built is something where you come to Token Proof and you prove to us that you're in control of that wallet by signing a human-readable message to us. And so, yes, you are trusting us. But at that point, then you can prove to everybody that uses token proof that you own that wallet and the assets inside that wallet instead of having to trust every single one of those parties. Because once you have connected the wallet to us, we pair that registration or we link that wallet to our mobile app And in the real world, you can show a dynamic QR code to whoever needs to verify that you own something. And so it could be that you are offered a discount at a store because you're the owner of a certain NFT. Or it could be that because you own that NFT, you get access to an activation or an event or a concert or a seat upgrade at a stadium. And the whole thing is, we don't want you carrying your wallet and we don't want you connecting your wallet to all of these parties. You just need to connect it to us once, and we're never going to ask you to connect it again. And then you can integrate an interface with all of these other parties by showing them that QR code. And we also released a product for online authentication, where instead of connecting your wallet to a service, you are scanning a QR code with the TokenProof app, and that proves to the other party that you're in control of that wallet and the assets that are stored or controlled by that wallet. Does that make sense?
1: Okay, so it sounds like you sign your token proof transaction once it logs in with your wallet. I'm actually a user of it myself. I know you can log in with multiple wallets, which is a really nice functionality. And then you show up and you get to use it for utility, whether you're attending an event or you're checking out at a retail store.
0: That is exactly right. And that is how we powered, I think, 85 events around NFT NYC. And most recently at Art Basel, we did around 40 to 45 events which is wild. And it's been a lot of fun, but that is exactly what the concept is. Now, going one step further, because Sam mentioned it, we now enable individuals to come into the token-proof ecosystem by just using their email address. And that is the very first baby step in allowing non-crypto natives to come into this world. Because at some point in Q1 of 2023, we will be creating a light crypto wallet for these users that just came in with their email address, right? So, in a way, Token Proof is going to be this onboarding mechanism into crypto. And we're actually going to issue them a wallet with an Ethereum address so that they can mint an NFT and do other interactive, cool stuff and activities using Token Proof.
2: The thing that I think is such an interesting innovation like Avery and I last week spoke to Kate Brady from PepsiCo who, you know, they have Gatorade, and they have Pepsi, and they have Cheetos, and they have all these different brands that are playing in the space, but also all of them are doing these amazing sponsorship deals and creator deals and all of that stuff. And it does feel like, to your point of when people are trying to figure out when utility and how to bring utility to these collections, you're sort of this great permission layer that says, stuff you're already doing, just tie it in. And I love the idea of retail because I think that's also such an opportunity. You know, I I think both Avery and I hold a scotch and soda NFT which is a clothing brand, you know, that has stores all around, I have not figured out yet what to do with this NFT. But it feels like if that just alone got me a discount in the store at a place I already shop, that's an opportunity. So I guess, are you guys also looking at the POS level of how you kind of create data transfer around permission?
0: Yep, that's a really good question. Because we've been developing Shopify apps that integrate token proof into e commerce stores, but also brick and mortar. And it's going to take time for adoption to happen. But at least at the infrastructure level, we're going to come out with these Shopify apps in Q1, where you can even get a discount at a retail location by scanning a QR code with your token proof app, or get access to exclusive product that the general public does not have access to, because you're a holder of this special NFT, right?
1: Amazing. So Fonz, you're really well known for what you've done in events. And I want to get a little bit into that. So some of our listeners can hear beyond ApeFest, what are some of the events that have really stood out to you? And then second, where's the next step of where token proof is heading beyond that sort of light wallet creation, which I think is incredible. What are some of the use cases that your partners are, you know, helping you to beta test anything you can sort of share publicly? And I do want to know what are the key learnings from some of the big events you guys have done?
0: Yeah, so I'll take that last question first. The key learnings, and we learned this very quickly at NFT NYC, is that we really have to be aligned with the logistics of the events that are happening, that we are powering and supporting, because technology is the first to be blamed if the logistics are not properly planned. And uh, at any event, we are at risk if we are not properly aligned with the event organizers. And we've had really great partners, but there's been a few close calls where, you know, There's long lines because there's not as many ticket scanners in place and, you know, token proof could have been blamed for it. Unfortunately, it hasn't, but uh, it's important. So that's one of the key learnings. Two is that, and I want to push brands that are doing in real life activations next year to really do cool stuff on chain. Because if you think about it, all of these token gated events, all they're doing is checking that you have the NFT. But once you're inside the event, there's very little interaction that is happening with the blockchain, and I want to see this as the next wave of IRL activity with the blockchain, right? Because I think we could do live mints. Bright moments and art blocks do this very well, and I think we want to see more of that. We want to see things that happen in real life be reflected on chain so that we blur the lines between you know the metaverse and the physical world in some ways. I don't know what that looks tangibly, but I know that it can happen and that we can support it. Art Basel was a lot of fun. My favorite event, and you know this, was the Vayner3 event. I thought it was a great mix of not only educational content and panels and speakers and Gary and the mayor of Miami. And you and I did a panel, Avery, and it was great. But also it was a really fun party at night. So it brought individuals from not only brands, but consumers as well. It was great. So that was the one that stands out for me. Next year, I think we're going to be doing many of the same events, but also conferences. And we'll be supporting certain conferences around, you know, blockchain and NFTs.
2: If only two people on this call were involved in conferences. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So Fonz, you've also worked with a lot of brands. You've worked with Web3 native brands, like you just mentioned, Yuga, you've worked with Vayner, you ticketed every NFT party that I think I've heard of in the last year and you've also been getting a lot of interest from sort of more traditional brands and companies what are those kind of companies looking for from token proof are they just curious have they experienced the product firsthand i'd love to hear some of that sort of customer sentiment from more of the you know traditional entrants
0: yeah i mean we have now worked with companies like adidas for example we supported their activation at art basel but Where we want to go next year and what we're proposing to brands, and there's a few brands that we are securing for next year to do this with, is the loyalty and engagement place, right? And how can we support bringing their loyalty programs on chain and do really cool stuff with NFTs around loyalty and engagement? What that really means is that I am no longer of the position that brands should be selling NFTs. They should be issuing free NFTs that get stamped with people's loyalty, with consumers' loyalty, right? And so we're talking, for example, to a soccer team in Latin America. And so what that means is the soccer team will issue a free NFT to whoever wants to grab one. But if you're watching a game at home, you can scan a QR code on the TV and you will get points that accrue into your NFT. If you go to a stadium, you might get 10x the points because you made a bigger effort with the brand, right? And we're also going to be building these reward marketplaces where the consumer can come in, and they can exchange those points for rewards. And an example of a reward could be attending a practice session for the soccer team, or maybe getting a seat upgrade at the stadium, or maybe a meet and greet with the players. Now, Let's say that I've actually exchanged these points for a meet and greet with the players, but I don't really care about meeting the players. I could monetize my reward because that reward manifests itself as another ERC721 token in the blockchain. So now I can go into the open market and sell that NFT if I want to for somebody that really wants to meet the players, right?
2: I have two more questions. So the first is a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast are coming from kind of the brand and marketing world. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is the idea that you also have a backend data like analytics platform, right? That allows people to sort of understand who comes to their events and maybe also some behavior around that. So I would love if you could just tell us a little bit about for folks that are utilizing TokenProof, what do they get on the backend that helps them sort of have their businesses function better?
0: So we haven't really built out the backend self-service portal for these users, but we will. And it's another thing that we're going to release in Q1. I know we're releasing a lot of stuff in Q1. But that is very important so that they get access to everything that we're capturing. In essence, when somebody comes into one of these IRL activations, we are capturing the wallet address that was used and also the assets that that person holds. And so now if somebody came into ApeFest, we can analyze what other communities they are a part of. And that should be interesting for retargeting purposes, right? And so obviously, coupling that with the timestamp of when they came into the event. And so we can provide a lot of stuff. But what's very important is that we also want to be privacy centric. And we are not selling the data from the Adidas event to the Bordebiot Club and vice versa. And we are not really monetizing data ourselves because we'd rather not get into that Web2 game, at least for now.
2: Hans, Avery, and I've been talking a lot about predictions this episode and what's coming in 2023. Would love to just hear your predictions of what to expect.
0: I mean, I think we're still going to see a depressed market in 2023, unless there is some sort of big catalyst that happens. I love seeing brands like Starbucks come into the ecosystem, and there's a lot of traditional brands that have a signal that they're going to come in or they have already come in, right? And so to me, that's interesting because I don't think there is a world in which this industry dies by any means. I think there's a lot of the people that were here just for speculation that have been flushed out, and they will continue to be flushed out. And so I am very interested to see what 2023 brings. I think it's going to be a good year because I don't think from a price perspective, it's going to be worse than 2022. So I think I'm optimistic, both in utility and in the new entrants that are coming in, right? I also think that we're going to see really cool conferences and a refinement of what the IRL events are like in 2023.
1: Sam, I know you'd agree with this, but I'm super happy to hear that Tokenproof has access to all this data. I know a lot of brands are going to ask you about utilizing it, but Fons, you have the power to be a force for good. And nice to hear you sort of sharing that. My question is, you know, the future of Tokenproof as an independent and small company, and I should just close, I'm a very small investor in it. Where do you think you guys are heading if Ticketmaster comes calling? I'm sure some of those calls have already started flooding in. Any alpha on the direction you kind of want to take?
0: I mean, we are always open to any conversation. I think that there's still a lot of growth to be had here in Tokenproof. At this point, I mean, we are a VC-backed venture and we have great partners. And I think we are definitely going to be raising another round or Series A in 2023. You know, I'm excited to keep growing this venture and at this point, I'm not stopping until we build something that is a unicorn.
1: Amazing. And for brands who want to like learn more about you guys, where can they check you out? It seems like you're open to working not just with Web3 natives, but with enterprises. And you said you're open to anything. So uh, can you share a little bit about where they can find you guys?
0: Yeah, tokenproof.xyz. And there's contact links there. Or find me personally on Twitter, at FontsGM or send me an email, at tokenproof.xyz. Love to have any sort of conversation. And also, you're right, we are here to also onboard the next 100 million people or a billion people into Web3, and we want to do our small part in achieving that goal.
2: Fons, a bonus last question. Your avatar, your PFP is a board ape on Twitter. You recently bought a CryptoPunk. When are we going to see the flip from BAYC to CryptoPunks?
0: I think about this every day and it's too early to tell. I have no idea. I love my punk, by the way, but my ape is so much part of my identity that I don't feel comfortable just yet. But I did switch my PFP to a punk in Slack, in our internal Slack, just to see what it feels like.
2: All right. So TLDR, not yet, but potentially in the future, funds the Punk will, will rise. That's right. Fons, thank you for being here. So excited to talk to you. I know, you know, again, both Avery and I are giant fans of both you as a person. I think you're a great force of good in the industry, always bringing positivity. I think your focus on customer service is known and everyone I think really respects how hard you and the team hustle and look forward to working together in 2023. And at least for me, thanks for all that you do for all of us.
1: Thank you, Fons.
2: Thank you so, so much. And you know, you're two of my favorite people in the space. Thank you, thank you,
0: thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. What a conversation with Fons, Sam, I'm so glad you invited him to join us. Fons is such a leader. It sounds like they are not short of things that they will be taking on at Token Proof. It was really, really great to hear his insights of what he's learned, his background, and also what he's building in 2023, which sounds like a robust ecosystem that they're building off of their strong foundation they established in the past year or so. Sam, what was your take?
2: Fonz is such a good thinker. I know we're always in similar spaces, both collectively, the three of us. And also, I think, you know, just someone to like run ideas by because he really does come from, I think, an engineer's perspective of how do you make things easy, which is always what I really appreciate from him. Secondly, you know, and we didn't talk about this in the conversation, but I was thinking a lot about the future metaverse, you know, the metaverse that's not really here yet. But down the road, when we have all these kind of little microverses that people are going to be playing with, the idea of exposing your NFTs, your characters, if you will, to the sort of scam layer that is going on to this date in Web3 of people not understanding security enough and therefore having their assets taken. But, you know, when you multiply that by hundreds of like game worlds or work worlds or dating worlds that we're going to be in the metaverse, I think having a layer like token proof that really sort of protects you is going to be essential to, frankly, the rise of the metaverse, which is one of the reasons I'm really bullish on token proof in general. So yeah, I just thought, great conversation and really excited for what they're building. So Avery, with that, you know, we're going to be dark next week for the holiday. I hope you get some good rest. And we're going to be back in the beginning of the year with an amazing slate of guests. I mean, you can't even imagine the folks that are coming on. So any kind of final words before we take a little break?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Sam, for putting this all together. And thank you everybody for listening and tuning in. It's been a great couple of weeks getting Gen C off the ground and really excited for everything that is coming in 2023. Some epic guests, some epic insights, and excited to continue sharing our knowledge and learning together next year. Happy holidays, everybody.
2: Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. I want to give a shout out to the production team that helps us put this all together at the end of the year. Thank you guys so much. The entire Coindesk staff, as well as our specific team and anyone that you guys think we should have on the show, drop us a DM and we'll try to make it happen. All right. Happy holidays, everyone.